Welcome to Making Waves, a show produced by New Adventures in Sound Art for WGXC Wayfarm. In the first part of today's show, we have an interview with Josh Gamela. He is visiting NASA in South River in a little more than a week from now to present his interactive sound installation, Immobile Device. Josh Gamiela is a new media artist from Minneapolis. His work often combines low and high technology with natural elements to create immersive, interactive media installations and environments. He explores matters such as time and timelessness, privacy, entropic media systems, open source culture, and the repurposing of archaic and discarded technology. Before listening to my conversation with Josh, I wanted to share with you a short demo video that he made, uh, which explains the nature of a mobile device and how it uses electromagnetic energy from a visitor's cell phone to create its soundtrack. Immobile device harvests the sound of electromagnetic frequencies, or EMFs, radiated by mobile phones to produce a generative soundscape of the otherwise imperceptible noise that connects all of us via mobile technology. The participant simply places their mobile phone on the platform and listens. At first, only the raw EMFs radiating from the device are heard. The sound changes depending on the state of the phone, and it responds to user interaction. The software, designed using Mac signal processing, samples, analyzes, and processes the incoming EMFs, which serve as the only signal source of the soundscape. Over time, the generative sound begins to emerge from the EMF noise, taking on a life of its own as the noise eventually dies away. The generated sound is unpredictable, unrepeatable, and unique to each user, as every mobile device has a slightly different EMF signature, and every participant will interact with the device in distinct ways. The generated sound ranges from noise, to percussive arpeggios, to ambient drones, and everything in between. The software is under constant development, so the resulting sound becomes more diverse and more dynamic with each new version. Ultimately, the longer the participant listens, the more the sound evolves, thus giving us a reason to put our phones down for a little while and allow our senses to meander down a different path, a path that leads us away from the conventions of high technology and towards new perceptions of connectedness. one drops their phone on this box, what happens? So the phone itself or whatever mobile device they might um, choose to place on the platform, um, these devices radiate electromagnetic um, frequencies just sort of by default. Um, hence all of the protection that we have to do with various electronics to not have uh, noise in sound circuits and whatnot. So um, the uh, Max software that I programmed essentially listens um, to the signals that are coming in and it 
takes samples of the uh, signals and from there there's a number of things that happen. Um, in some cases it starts to uh, automatically build wavetables based on the signals that are coming in. In some cases it takes samples and turns them uh, more into percussive type elements. Um, and then there is some generative um, mechanisms that take place where the sounds will um, play and sound uh, based on what's happening in the real-time signal, right? So um, I don't know how much people have listened to um, just the electromagnetic sound radiating from a phone or something through like inductors or whatever, but it's, it's very random and unpredictable. And um, sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's quiet, sometimes it's just kind of pure noise, sometimes there are tones and beeps and things like that. So um, the application uses some of that information to sort of drive the generative soundscape a little bit, um, but ultimately it's always a little bit different. Um, the you know, no two listeners are going to have the same experience, even if you, well, and, and most mobile devices have um, a different, they, they produce a different range of sound um, depending on how new it is, if it's in a case, etc. Different brands will have um, different sonic outputs. So um, yeah, all, all, of, all of the experiences are at least somewhat unique. Each device you put there, uh, if you put it there repeatedly, at different times, it would make different sounds. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily make one particular sound. Right. And what do you think that's caused by? Um, do you mean the, like the, the raw electromagnetic sound or? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so unpredictable? Um, I think it has. Uh, so I've found that, say, if you're running a, like an app or something, and if, especially if the screen is active, the sound that you get out of the device is much different depending on sort of the state of the device. So if the device is in a sleep mode, it's fairly mellow, but then it, um, it will kind of chirp and beep some sometimes. And quite frankly, I'm not sure <laughs> exactly why that is, what the technical reasons for that are. Uh, I can guess that it might be um, maybe connecting wirelessly. We all know that our phones are sort of continuously pinging depending on how we have our um, uh, location uh, data set up on the phone. If, if we are allowing... Um, the manufacturer or a certain app to track us, then the phone is sort of pinging sometimes as much as several times in a minute or once a minute or once every several minutes, um, just its location data. Um, that might be one of the sources of the sound. Um, as data is being uploaded, downloaded, I think those are some of the sources of the sound. A lot of the sound is definitely emanating from just the screen itself. Um, different colors on the screen, if it's like a pure white screen or there's a lot of white on the screen, it tends to be more noisy than if it's a darker screen, I've found. Moments where the user touches the phone, then there are um, you know, unique kind of electric sounds that have to do with that for the moment that your finger is on the glass, etc. So in that sense, that also gets into the electrical energy of the person, I suppose. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> capacitance and all that. 
you know, in a lot of ways, um, it, it, it's I don't think it's a whole lot different from, say, somebody like Stephen McGreevy going out and recording sounds of the atmosphere, right? There are these, um, there, there's sort of uh, a lot of randomness and sort of entropy to, um, you know, the atmosphere in that case, um, it's totally unpredictable. I'm sure there are probably very sound reasons for <laughs> why um, the devices make the particular tones that they do. So why would a, a composer want to have a random sound source oh. to make uh, a generative music with? So specifically a composer. Well, or, well, I mean, in your case, I mean, I don't know if you identify that way or, or uh, I mean, it's a sound installation, but, but you're, creating a, you're creating a composition. Uh, you know, you're creating a, a musical composition, I think, from, uh, from this right. uh, electromagnetic activity, and, uh, which, is, seems, which has its own behavior that you can't always contr- control. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not choreographing uh, the usage of the cell phone and determining you know, how much loca- location data or location activities uh, or how much it's updating and yep. what the screen is and uh, so on and so on so forth. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, you're having an indeterminate input. Yep. You know, although uh, great pains have in uh, 20th century music was to have uh, an indeterminate output, but you're creating a constrained output from a indeterminate input. Yes. Is that, is that accurate perception, maybe? <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think for me, one of the things that I love about sound is it's just how malleable it is, I guess, um, how you can take really a sound of just about anything and you can process it in so many ways that it so quickly turns into something else like something like granular synthesis is something i'm really interested in because you can stretch sounds and make sort of what were maybe at the root very ugly sounds you can make them very beautiful sounds and i think the noise that is uh, emanated from the mobile device is kind of an ugly sound it's not something that um you are generally going to want to listen to although you know that's not always the case. It's like here in the Twin Cities, uh, there's a pretty strong um, kind of a noise um, scene. And so people really, really enjoy that kind of element. But yeah, for me, it's a matter of, of building on that, taking something that releases me from, say, having to play an instrument or compose kind of, you know, in the more proper conception of composing and instead let the software I'm sort of, I guess, I guess I see myself as more as um, composing through the algorithms that I'm working with that generate um, ultimately the gener- the the soundscape, um, and letting, I guess, letting those things happen, um, and especially over time. I think time plays a really important element there. Um, that it takes time for these things to unfold. It will sort of take on a life of its own and just sort of live and you don't have to do anything anymore you um you have set up the mechanism in which the sound is going to take place and there's a moment where you have to let go and accept what comes out yeah i think it's uh, i think some of our deeper listening experiences are cases where we don't have control of what's happening around us 
and uh, and there's that sense of uh, discovery and exploration. So do you find that working with with uh, electromagnetic uh, material that 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 happens? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think that becomes that uh, becomes more of our or or speaks to more of our um, the experience that we have in the very busy kind of digital interconnected world that we're all in where I think there's a lot of things happening in the background that a lot of us feel uh, we, that we don't have control of um, but there are outcomes and consequences to that so um, yeah I, I think having that uh, that kind of lack of control and being surprised by the outcome sometimes being disappointed by the outcome right sometimes I really want to get a certain sound out of it sometimes um, the mobile device will do something that I really like and I want to repeat that but then you can't and um, it takes some time I guess to be okay with that Um, and just let it let it live its own sort of life How did you get uh, to this point of making this piece? What were the kind of types of projects you were doing before that and your background and where you came from to this point? So I guess, you know, sound is something that's, that's uh, or noise uh, specifically has been something that's interested me for a long time. I grew up in a very, very rural area um, of central Minnesota uh, out in the woods. Um, I was lucky in that I grew up in this very hi-fi soundscape. Things were very quiet, but yet um, there was very little what I think we would conceive of as noise um, in that environment. And um, I've been living in cities for a few years now, and the um, the overall kind of noise level uh, is inescapable. And, you know, even within my own apartment, I, I usually keep things very quiet because I, I like that. Um, I, I kind of, uh, yeah, I like that space. So, um, I think as far as the, the electromagnetic, um, components here, so some early influences being like, um, the, the number stations, uh, uh, recordings that went up on internet archive, way back when, um, also, you know, related to that Stephen McGreevy, that really got me interested just in that invisible world of sound. Um, uh, that kind of led to a friend of mine gave me a, um, I, I got into a little bit of DXing um, and just listening to the, you know, whatever I, whatever signals I could pick up. Um, some I did some uh, live performances related to that where I was sort of in real time resampling um, whatever was kind of coming in, I was, I was retuning, um, uh, the, the, the radio and in real time and just letting whatever was kind of coming in through the antenna, um, again, direct, I guess, what the performance was. Um, but then, uh, a couple of years ago, um, here at Hamlin, uh, I was working with, uh, a friend and colleague, uh, in a class where we, we, as a class, we were going to put on a sound art exhibition and we put out a call and, um, got a lot of really great work. But in the process of that one day, some, one of the students who was doing some research came in and said, Hey, there's this, um, cool device I found called the electro sluice. Um, and it is the, um, made by LOM instruments. Um, so you can buy like the 
electromagnetic listening device. It's basically inductor based. Um, and immediately I was like, oh, this is the kind of, this is the technology that Christina Kubitsch was using in her electrical walks. Um, and so I looked it up, found the schematics, and they're actually really easy to to build. They're very simple to build. Um, there's maybe only 10 or 15 components in the circuit. Um, and so I built um, a few and got students using them and just started kind of exploring that space. Again, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm really interested in sampling and, and then, you know, reprocessing processing sound in various ways. Um, and so that became a very kind of, I don't know, um, regular part of my practice for a little while, both in terms of performance and installation and um uh yeah and then decided to i I had done some generative work uh, with max msp before and decided to add that component into the electromagnetic listening to kind of see what would happen that was josh gamiela discussing his interactive artwork immobile device which will be on exhibit at the nasa north media arts center in south river ontario for uh, the family day weekend which is uh, happens in Ontario between the February 16th and 18th. And uh, you can visit NASA between 10 and 4 to meet Josh and uh, explore uh, all things electromagnetic. His visit is part of the Deep Artist Festival of Radio and Transmission Art. In the uh, previous uh, Making Waves show, we uh, listened to pieces from the Deep Wireless 14 radio art compilation. I wanted to go back a few editions to number 11 and uh, listen to two pieces that also use electromagnetic and other radio phenomena. A piece by uh, American uh, composer uh, Jason David Snow called uh, Das Lied von der Magnetosphere uses very low frequency or VLF radio transmissions known as kind of natural radio as they happen over the Earth's atmosphere. Um, they're associated with sounds like spherics and tweaks and whistlers that you can often pick up on the radio uh, during thunder showers and things of that nature. Um, and so he's used those sounds to create this uh, soundscape.
That was Das Lied von der Magnetosphere by Jason David Snow from the Deep Artist 11 radio art compilation. Also on that same compilation is a piece called the Canadian Radio Trilogy. A little nod perhaps to Gordon Lightfoot, but this is made by James Bailey, Toronto radio artist, sound artist. In this uh, little excerpt of his piece, we're going to hear um, sounds that were derived from the test signals that are used in the 1970s for when a uh, FM transmitter was being set up to go on air.
That was the Canadian Radio Trilogy by James Bailey. And that last bit of the piece uh, was created when uh, he was driving around a multi-level parking garage. Uh, Radio noise appears in all kinds of places, including uh, this very show, Making Waves. And uh, to take us out, uh, we're going to kind of do a little leap of um, connecting radio and space together. Often space travel has a kind of connection to radio as radio passes over the Earth's atmosphere. And here is a part of a piece uh, we'll listen to uh, called Machine in the Shell by Julian Huff. And uh, this uh, closes out Making Waves for uh, this month. And uh, thank you for listening.
Mmm. -hmm. 